This is USA Takedown. The best guests. All the hot news and predictions on combat sports of wrestling and MMA. With your host, the true American, Scott Casper. Connect with him now on social media and check out usatakedown.com. Now, it's time for USA Takedown. Hello again, everybody. It is USA Takedown as Barbarian Apparel presents this very program. We are broadcasting from the Wild Rose Casino Studios in Des Moines, Iowa. Defense Soap guests today include Tony Erslin, Mike Denny, Travis Dvorak, Cole Zempel, Caleb Nemers, and uh, not Trent Paulson. He was he was originally publicized as being on the program, but uh, comes down with a, a case of a strep throat or something like that. So he... Uh, opts in to have his boss the head coach of the Cavs of virginia fill in for him and that's steve garland so steve will be joining us a little later on in hour number two uh in studio today we're very lucky to have him he's awfully busy for sure getting ready for his next fight and no it won't be on new year's eve but johnny case you know him as hollywood of course he's in studio good morning johnny how are you i'm good good morning scott go ahead Put that up there. There we you don't oh, have to lean go. over. There you go. Welcome there. back, bud. It's good to see you as always. Well, thank you. It's good to be back. And I know you're working on a fight date and location with Monty Cox. A bo- another boxing fight. Another boxing fight. That's yep. amazing. Yeah. I love that. And I, I, I hope I'll be involved. It's going to be local here in the, in the city of Des Moines, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. It's going to be here in Des Moines. Um, yeah. Supposed to go to Tokyo on New Year's Eve and the new COVID variant um, restricted. Travel. So it was a COVID issue. Yeah, uh, yeah, yep. The new the new strain of COVID is what kind of was the last deciding factor as far as international fighters being brought into Japan. Well, you should have got there like two months ago. Okay. <laughs> I know, I know it. I know it. <laughs> anyway, hey, a great program on tap. Glad you're along with Kira and I, and uh, we're on the air nine to eleven Central on Des Moines Sports Leader one hundred two point one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Radio. Also streaming at usatakedown.com. So your opportunity to listen to the shows as so many people do. Online, usatakedown.com, also on the iHeart app. All right, let's go to our very first guest. Scheduled up on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline is the man, the myth, the legend, a humble product himself, is Tony Erzlin, head coach of the Purdue Boilermakers. Tony, how are you? Scott, I'm doing well, buddy. I, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to catch up and talk to you again. It's, it's always a great time. I saw a post out there that said, list out and cody goodwin i think from the des moines register put this this post out there and it said uh what um who are some of the more famous okay guys out of humboldt that did real well and uh while i agree with a couple of them, the two most uh, evident names that weren't there were tony erslin and kevin dresser what's up with that I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I think no, I think Kevin's got to be on there somewhere, right? I mean, well, national you. champ, state of Iowa. Yeah. I know, yeah, I get it. But uh, yeah, no, there's, you know, it was fun to go through that list, though. Actually, we covered that on a podcast of mine too, the Oast Aggressive podcast, a few weeks ago, I love that. and and had some fun with it. So uh, no, it's 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 great to just always kind of think about your hometown and the history and tradition that comes with it. You know, I love the podcast because it gives uh, coaches a consistent. Uh, what do you call it, uh, avenue to to express what's going on with their team, self-promotion, promotion of the team, and promotion in the university. We have uh, Cole Zempel on the show in hour number two. He's the founder of uh, a program called Headlocks and Lateral Drops. Now, uh, Johnny, you have a favorite amongst the two, headlocks or lateral drops? Um, for sure, the I would say the latter, yeah, lateral drops. The lateral drops. How about <laughs> you, Coach? 
No, you know, I'll go with a good old-fashioned headlock. You know what I mean? I kind of like that. <laughs> All right. So this event that's taking place tomorrow, uh, 5 p.m. Central, if uh, if Dresser has filled me in correctly, but uh, we'll be there announcing, thank goodness. And uh, thanks for keeping us on the hook, and I love that. Uh, but, Tony, this is coming home. This has been in the works for, what, two to three years now? Yeah, over two years. You know, it was scheduled to go off last year uh, about this time. And then with COVID, obviously, you guys were just talking about restrictions with upcoming fights. And so here we are a couple of years later, and we're finally going to get it done and, and make it happen. So uh, exciting. In as much as it's, as it's sold out, i got to believe Johnny Case would love to be there. His Absolutely. Na- yeah, his name's not on the list. Mine, mine is. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I think I called Dana up and said, Dana, hey, look, get, you know, help get me on the list. And, yeah. and White responded with, who is this? <laughs> so You didn't need a Scott plus one, no. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that what? Okay, well, either way. Tony, expectations on this event, I think, um, are are pretty high. First of all, it's been sold out for, what, three months, four months on the outside. But talk to us a little bit about uh, the formation of the event and who it will benefit. I mean, it just originally came about kind of naturally when, when Kevin took the uh, the Iowa State job, right? He came home from Virginia Tech, and with him being that close in proximity to Humboldt, Iowa, and then me being a head coach as well, you had a lot of people that would just reach out and say, hey, this would be really cool if you could do that, you know? And, and it took us some time to organize it, and then again, you know, we just talked about COVID. So it's been something that's been brewing and cooking just as a natural thing that, you know, with two head coaches from the same town, which is which is rare in itself. Yeah. But then you have a town like Humboldt with a lot of wrestling tradition and really appreciates great wrestling. So I think it was a natural thing to happen, and a lot of people saw that and recognized it. A month or so ago, we had on uh, Coach Wasaba. Uh, or there you Wasaba. go, Hall of Fame coach now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just inducted in the Hall of Fame, and uh, thanks to our friends at 97.1 or 97.7, The Bolt. Uh, for reporting on that, but it was true. And, and, and Ron, uh, so proud of both of you guys, obviously. And, uh, this is a nice tribute, I think to him and all that he did and accomplished, uh, at a home, you know, when you say wrestling has a, a quite a, a, uh, a history in Humboldt, it really started with, and around the time of Frank Gotch, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was telling Cody Goodwin, who you mentioned earlier about that yesterday, my, my early wrestling experiences are the, the Frank Gotch Wrestling Club. Right. And so you kind of are made aware of that history at an early age. And I don't know if kids really understand how good Frank Gotch was on an international scale. Okay. And, and yep. the tricks. I mean, if you think a spinning toehold or a toehold is not painful, I'm here to tell you. That is one of the most painful things a guy can in, in, uh, uh, put on his opponent, and Gotch was a master at it, yeah? So I've, I've heard of the Frank Gotch toehold, never experienced it, obviously, don't, don't, can't speak of it on that level, but that was a thing. I can remember uh, being brought up and, 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 and mentioning the Frank Gotch toehold and watching people chuckle because they, they weren't aware of the history as you were just talking about it. Well, in pro wrestling, they make a big deal out of a spinning toehold. <laughs> Yeah, because the, <laughs> because the guy on the bottom makes it uh, allows the other guy time to actually employ the spin, further exacerbating the pain. I mean, it was it's terrible. Johnny Case has volunteered. Hollywood Johnny Case, UFC star, uh, is uh, uh, volunteering to put you and employ implore the the uh, uh, the spinning toehold on you on the mat prior to match time. Are you game? I'm game. Hey, I'm always down to learn new tricks. So, 
<laughs> show me. Show me your ways. <laughs> See, and I got a pass on that. As long as he throws it on you, Scott, that, oh, that's right. cool yeah. with me. <laughs> I, I got enough issues with my hips and knees and things like that, so I'll pass on the toehold. Well, speaking of that, Gable just had another knee replacement, and he's already up and running around. Yeah, he, he's, a, he's a tough guy, right? I mean, that's like, is that like his, his third? I you think, know, I uh, think maybe it's more. a third he's or fourth. Yeah. He's got experience know. with it, right? He knows what's coming with that kind of, you know, with that kind of repetitive, uh, uh, you know, surgery happening over over and over again. He's got it down, apparently. Now, the assistant coach has been named the head coach at, at uh, Humboldt. I think that's Chad Beeman, yeah? Yep, Chad is the head coach there now, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Of the two, of the two guys, you or Dresser, who has the best pipeline uh, for athletes coming out of Humboldt High School? Oh, that's a great, that's a great question. You know, I mean, I, I haven't, you know, uh, I haven't been back that way from a recruiting perspective as much lately. I mean, I have an Iowa kid or two on my team, Max Lyon, you know, at 184 is really looking forward to being, being uh, back in his home state wrestling, but we have not had the opportunity to go back as much. So probably Kevin, especially in that proximity right now, you know, uh, but, but, you know, we'll, we'll keep our head in the ring every time a good kid comes through. You know what I like about this? Okay, I like it. It's a number 15 team, Purdue, which I think is probably underranked, okay, against a number 13 team in uh, in Iowa State. To me, that's a great matchup, equal styles, equal uh, participation from the kids. But this is an event that's sold out well in advance. And this yep. is a standing room crowd. And they say 1,000 tickets. I've heard over 1,400. That's, that sounds about right. They had to do the lottery. Yeah. Um, for people who may not know, they had so many requests, they had to put them into a lottery to see who would draw the tickets. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be tight. I've been asked to not participate in the lottery and to just be on the pass list. I couldn't believe I had to be on the pass list after all these That's years. Do it. <laughs> now, you guys are uh, ranked 15th for the second straight week in the NWCA coaches poll. Um, they say that uh, you don't wrestle – uh, rankings, you don't wrestle, uh, predictions, but at some point you do wrestle. Talk to us about being number 15 in the country. It's not necessarily a place I would espouse to be or, or like to be, but it's better than being 20th, right? Sure. I mean, listen, it's always somebody's opinion, right? You know, it's, it's, it's somebody's opinion of your team. And, and so for us, all we can go out and, and compete. Like, as you just mentioned, when you put your foot on the line, it's time to go, and, and the rankings go out the door, and it's down to your preparation and your belief, and, and uh, you're going to make it happen for yourself. So uh, I, I do, though, both teams, very, very tough, a lot of good individuals, a lot of great matchups. So I expect a, a, a very competitive duel. Should should be a lot of fun for the crowd. You mentioned Max Lyon, a redshirt senior uh, with a record of 8-4. and four. Everybody has them at either twenty-one, twenty, or eighteen. I think Win Magazine took a fire on it, but um, the Open Mat, Intermat, and Flow all have him. It you know relatively the same thing, give or take. Um, yep. And this is a leader for your squad, right? I mean, at eighty-four yeah. pounds, is it going to be Max Lyon or McCartney Parkinson going to step in as a sophomore? Well, uh, Max Lyon would be the guy scheduled to go. Obviously, McCartney will be on the trip because you never know, right? We're down to our last 48 hours or so of, of preparation. So we'll bring a few extra guys along. But, but Max, as a senior in wrestling in his home state, uh, would be the one to go, you know, except for some unforeseen circumstances, I guess. Now, is McCartney a big fan of the Beatles? 
<laughs> I don't think so. I, I don't think uh, he's now. He's a sharp kid who really has an appreciation for uh, a lot of things, both past and present. But I, I've not heard the Beatles from from McCartney. Just so you know, maybe he needs to adjust his walkout music. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe. <laughs> and when he's the guy, he's, he might have to think about that. He might have to think about that. What about your seventy-four pounder? I want to hear you say Garrett's last name. Garrett Nyenhouse. Uh huh. Um, yeah, Prove young it. guy, um, <laughs> yeah, super talented kid, you know, out of two times state champ out of PA, uh, won a lot of big events in his career. Um, you know, super 32, uh, a Fargo junior nationals runner up. So yeah, another very talented kid and that should be, it should be an entertaining match. Now that's, I want to go to mixed martial arts because obviously we have uh, one of the greats in the studio. Um, and do you ever, or are there guys from Purdue and maybe I know this, maybe I don't, I don't know, uh, just first blush but are there guys that have wrestled at purdue that had outstanding careers in uh, uh mixed martial arts or are currently in mixed martial arts well i mean one guy that you go to uh john fitch oh yeah um yep uh obviously had uh had purdue wrestling connections there's another one danny sabatello who's out there now kind of a younger guy danny was with me in my first uh, first year here at Purdue, um, coached him a couple years, and now he's been out several years. He's he's moving up through, and looks like he's doing a good job uh, as well. What what weight is he at? Oh boy, I, I I don't know the weight class. You'd have to tell me, Scott. What, I'm not as familiar with what what the weight would be for for Danny. Johnny, you're what six one six two, yep. hundred and seventy four pounds. No, no, I'm about one hundred and eighty five. Oh, just ballooning I, right up there. Aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I fight at one fifty five, <laughs> but yeah, I walk about eighty five. Now, see, this is amazing to me. You walk around at 180, 185, you fight at 150, 55, right? 155. How yeah. you float that is an, is an amazing art. Uh, yeah, it takes yeah years of <clears throat> years of preparation to learn how to do it. But the good thing is with, with MMA compared to wrestling is I'm only on weight for 10 minutes, weigh in, and then I'm, back, I'm coming back up to 175, 180 pounds on fight night. I know what that's like, by the way, being on weight <laughs> for about 10 minutes. How about you, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> they, they, I know the NCWA, the uh, National Coaches Wrestling Association, the NCAA, there are rules and regs as to making weight. How many times a semester or a season does an athlete have to make weight? Well, I mean, in the regular season, you're allowed 16 dates of competition, right? One, six. Now, they could be divided up with a couple of tournaments in there. And so if you have a two-day tournament, you're making weight both days. But I would say, you know, a lot of athletes, you're making weight, you know, 16, 18 times in your regular season. And that's just broken up, you know, at the coach's discretion, how many events you want first semester and how much you finish on the, on the back end. And then you can start adding in, uh, for us, Big Ten championships, which is two weigh-ins, and then NCAAs, which if you compete all the way through Saturday, you're going to get three weigh-ins there. So, you know, you're, you're in the 20s as far as weigh-ins go by the end of the year uh, over the course of the season from November one until third week in March. When I see guys getting off the bus, okay, going in for competition, they're, they're carrying with them what looks to be gold, and that's the food that they have chosen <laughs> to eat immediately after the weigh-in, right? And I, I don't know. Do you have a new nutritionist uh, that uh, works with your guys? Yeah, you know, that, that's such a big deal, right, for anybody that's in a weight class sport or a combat sport as well, I think, how you make weight really affects how you compete, whether it's the next day, you know, if it's a day before weigh-in, or for us, it's a one- or two-hour weigh-in. So we do have a dietitian uh, with our team, and, and she travels with us quite often. So that's, it's an important thing that we can control. 
So we get as detailed as we can be on, on those kind of kinds of things. I think that's terrific because it, in the old days, you know, as a coach saying, here, here, take another salt tablet. You know, it's, there was very little educational expertise behind uh, what I would say, well, compared and contrast to, to today. And I know uh, the UFC and the Nevada uh, Athletic Commission, state of Iowa, et cetera, they're pretty tough on this, aren't they, Johnny? Oh, very much, yeah. Um, you know, and you see it you see it a lot at the highest level. You know, guys cut as much weight as they can to make the weight class. And, you know, you see also see fights scratched off the card because, you know, fighter tried to cut too much weight, didn't have the proper nutrition, you know, messed up, and you know, months out for the cut, and then, you know, wasn't able to make the weight, ended up getting sick, getting too weak, and, and the commission pulls the plug on the fight. So it's really important, you know, not necessarily just, you know, your physical body, but also making sure that you're able to compete. But it, And, Tony, what this does for me is it brings in the mental aspect of the game, right? Uh, being able to make weight is one thing, but being mentally prepared uh, a lot of times goes hand-in-hand hand with being physically prepared, right? No, no doubt, right? Like, uh, you know, we have it on our manual. You know, it's it's confidence built through preparation, and this is part of that preparation. So when you talk about emotionally where you're at in a fight, if you know you've done things right, you've cut your weight right going into the fight, you made weight as best you can, right. and now you understand how you're going to recover and regain that weight to, to compete. I mean, that all adds to emotionally how you feel going into the fight, and so I, I absolutely believe in that. Mm. Head coach Tony Erslin, head coach of the Purdue Boilermakers online with us, uh, joining us this morning on USA Takedown. And, uh, oh, by the way, if you've never been to Triple X, and, and it's not it's not what you think, Johnny, if you've never been to Triple X, why, who would do that anyway? I was going to say, you drop that in on radio, man, and then yeah. people are going to think this you're talking about something show. really different. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. But it's an Stop honest it. to God name of a restaurant. Uh, and, and, and I think the Purdue coaches back then was Tom Erickson on staff. I think he took me there first. That was the first time I'd ever been there. And quite frankly, those are very good hamburgers, but uh, absolutely. Yeah. Triple X is a great place to eat. Just to clarify for that for people. So everybody, we're all on the same page. Tremendous little diner here on campus at Purdue. Great place. The counter kind of winds through the place. Like a snake, I swear to God. And they have these little tiny stools they call seats, which don't fit me. But I tell you what, it's so much fun. And and you don't even know where the line starts. You come in hoping somebody will say, over here, here. Or Erickson will go, I've saved you a spot. Sure you did, Tom. I got to sit next to you. But uh, we have so much fun uh, on the road. And Triple X was a great. There's another place, I think, on campus, didn't it? Wasn't it called Scotty's? I think it may be closed now. It is, it is closed, but you are correct. you got a good memory, Scott. Well, <laughs> once you take vodka out of the picture, it's funny how <laughs> things clear up. <laughs> All right, Tony, uh, first of all, hey, congr- uh, secondly, congratulations on a sixth-place finish. It was the tight one, CKLV, the Cliff Keen Las Vegas Invitational, doing so with an 85.5-point uh, uh, score and nice. I think uh, it was a program record for you, seven-place winners. Yeah, we had seven out of our, our ten weights placed, and we even had our heavyweight who was in the blood round, you know, the match to place, losing overtime. So very close to having 80% of our lineup placed at, wow. at a very difficult tournament there in Vegas. And, uh, you know, something we can build on moving forward. Well, I think you've been building on it since being at the University of Iowa, 92 through 97. 
I'm only thinking that's like five years, right? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you were at Iowa, was one of you were one of the favorite guys I got to uh, to watch wrestle, and I absolutely I loved watching you compete. I mean, I think if you were at 177 when you were qualifying for the NCAA's, right? Yeah, yeah, 177. Yeah, well, those were great, great times. You I know, had it. a lot of great teammates and uh, great experiences there. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you. When do you actually take off for, um, for Humboldt? We're going to depart uh, Saturday morning tomorrow. Uh, we're finishing up final exams here this week. And so tomorrow morning we'll jump on the bus and we'll be in Humboldt probably late afternoon to, to get a workout in, in the, uh, the Humboldt high school wrestling room. Uh, well, how traditional is that? And I'm looking forward to you bringing me a new light jacket from Purdue Boilermaker Wrestling. I need something that doesn't say Buffalo Wrestling on it. <laughs> we'll see what we can do, buddy. Double X. Okay, here we go. Thank you, T. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to seeing you on, ton- on Sunday. It'll be great to see uh, you and your squad as well. Look, yeah, I appreciate in. you guys. Thanks, gentlemen. <laughs> One of the great guys in our sport, a good friend of the show, Tony Erslin, has been our guest on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. In studio, the Hollywood Johnny Case. The Hollywood Johnny Case. I don't like that. Just Hollywood, Johnny Case. Just Hollywood. <laughs> Just Hollywood. All right, Kara Jones pushing the buttons, making it sound good. I'm Scott Casper. Stay tuned. It's where the legends live. You're listening to USA Takedown on ESPN. Stay tuned. All guests on USA Takedown appear on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. Joe Rogan said, that stuff is awesome. I just ordered a ton of it and use it every day. Defense Soap, it's what the pros use. All right, happy holidays to each and every one of you. And, yeah, I'm not afraid to say it. Merry Christmas, Johnny Case. Merry Christmas, Scott Casper. Yeah, how about that? I love that. USA Takedown brought to you in part by our friends at Hear.com. Great hearing aids at affordable prices. And if you think they can't work with your cauliflowered ears, you, they can and they do and they will and they love wrestlers. Mention my name. Go to Hear.com forward slash Casper. Get affordable prices even better. The customer service. All right. Uh, welcome back to the show. One of my friends in this sport is uh, a guy. I honestly, I don't know that I I uh, revere anybody more than our next guest. Okay, he's head coach of the Maryville Saints, just on the outskirts of St. Louis, and uh, he is Mike Denny. He joins us now, Coach. How are you? Great. Thanks. <laughs> it's, it's a, a privilege, it's, pleasure, and honor to do business with you. Of course, of course, it is. <laughs> I knew that. But listen, is this your 52nd or your 53rd season coaching? 53rd. 53rd. Okay. So you got to talk to your SID and help them update the stats, the Mike Denny file. Uh, congratulations on 53 and uh, an outstanding career, Mike. I love what you're doing at Maryville. Uh, you and, and Bonnie did not skip a beat in uh, taking the show on the road from uh, Omaha to, to uh, Maryville. Uh, and, and seemingly watching you address, uh, uh, various, uh, uh, you know, institutional, uh, what I call, uh, pros there. In other words, the academic side, you are highly respected on campus and you've earned each and every plaudit. How's that feel for you? Well, gosh, you know, uh, our whole thing with the thing was to just, you know, um, uh, keep it going. You know, uh, we, uh, I think it was important for all of our alums and, and at, a, at the other place, all the people that were our wrestling family there to find a way to keep 
to keep it going at Maryville. Maryville picked us out of the garbage. That's right. Out of the garbage can and, and gave us a home when we were homeless. So uh feel very, uh, you, you know, thankful and grateful for that, but also feel a, a responsibility to, you know, just to, to be a positive force on our campus, uh, on all sides of it. You know, right. the, the academic side, the, the you know, the wrestling competition side, and just, you know, working with our faculty and staff and, and, uh, you know, we've been part of the Maryville family, so to speak. So here well, we are. What was that initial meeting with Lombardi like? Because he had a, a very unique opportunity to not just start a wrestling program, but jump into the fray with one, with one of the most respected coaches in all of wrestling. Well, you know, the whole thing was, was how it happened. It was, it was, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, kind of a miracle, actually, you know, that one day after, you know, we got the phone call while we're at the national tournament that we were, you know, we were no longer part of, of the other place. So, so, and you're talking about a guy whose name must not be spoken. No, no, we don't. <laughs> Trev Albert, but we won't, we won't name him because we hate him. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeff Miller, who is the vice president, uh, and, you know, very close with the president, but he saw all this stuff online and thing that happened. They had just talked about adding wrestling. It was, it was just kind of a, you know, down the line of ways. It wasn't necessarily, you know, something they wanted to do right away. But then uh, Jeff goes to the president and says, hey, what about this? And the president said, hey, get a hold of him if you can. Well, Jeff called me on my office phone, oh boy. which had about... 700 messages on it and my cell phone had about 800 and for some reason I answered my phone. I have no idea why I did that and he says this is Jeff Miller from Maryville University I said okay where's Maryville University? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he said well we'd like to have you you know, bring some of many people you couldn't come down and start a wrestling program and I go really? <laughs> yeah and you know, so we, you know I fought three times this week now Okay, who are you? <laughs> and uh, and uh, finally, I said, you know what? If this is one of my friends, you know, this is a cool joke. <laughs> uh, he says, well, this is not. I'm flying up there tomorrow. So he came up and met with us, and then the rest is history, so to speak. So it's, we owe a lot to him, we owe a lot to Jeff. And it's not uh, every day that a coach gets a chance to create a wrestling program from scratch, okay? But that's the opportunity uh, that you received at Maryville, and they've given you uh, not just a great opportunity, but a great home for you and Bonnie. Uh, I think that neighborhood, that area of, of the country is just outstanding. Been there, done that with you. And I love the room. I love the fact that, uh, you know, they have an eye on what the future looks like for you and the program. And it's all very enthusiastic. It's all very positive. Yes, it has. You know, uh, our president, Dr. Mark Lombardi is doing a great job of really marketing Maryville. Matter of fact, one of our former outstanding wrestlers, uh, Zeb Wall, who's from Iowa, was out on a tractor the other day and called me and said, I just heard a, on my tractor radio uh, an advertisement <laughs> for Maryville University. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all over, you know, but uh, he's done a great job. We've been, since we've been, this is our 11th year here. We've 11. doubled in enrollment. 
Really? Uh, we're the, I think, the sac- second fastest growing university in the nation right now. I mean, and this is even through the COVID. Of course, we really got into the online stuff early. Yeah. Of course, that's kind of a new wave, you know, and, and, uh, with universities now. And, and you know, we, we offer a lot in that area. But so he's been, he's been good to us. Uh, you know, I don't see him as much as we used to see him because, well, first of all, for the COVID thing, but right. also just, We've grown so much, you know, that he's uh, he's busy with other people, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I still wear my Maryville Saints uh, sweatpants. You uh, you gave me oh, you were kind was enough. Awesome. You went into you somebody's the locker. I like that. You, <laughs> you learned the brand. <laughs> I said, "Do you have any uh, like double X, uh, you know, gray sweats?" And you went in somebody's locker and pulled them out. Yeah, these should fit. <laughs> <laughs> but you know i'll take uh you know player or game worn sweats for sure especially when it has something to do with mike denny <laughs> all right talk to us one of the things i love about you you have been taking kids to church for years and years and years you know you are an athletic guy but you understand where the gift comes from and it comes from uh, a power much higher than either of us but one of the things I love about that is that you're willing to uh, to expose some of these kids who have never been to church ever to what that message is, something that you obviously and Bonnie has endorsed for years, but you're opening up doors, continuing to open up doors, not just academically, where 67 of your student-athletes have been you know, at, at the top of their programs and top of the uh, rankings. But you think about it, what you and Bonnie do is um, you've adhered, you, You've responded to the calling to help teach young men at uh, at Maryville, and I think it's pretty cool because success follows you wherever you go. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. But, you know, the mission is, you know, we help. We help teach and build, and uh, we need divine help in doing that. And honestly, in all the recruiting, I, that my prayer is send us who you want us to work with. Mm-hmm. You know, that is, that is the prayer, and... Um, you know, and uh, and we try to do that. My my thing is by mastering the art of encouragement, and I haven't done that yet. I need help with that. So we we do take our guys to church, and uh, sometimes I have to bribe them to get them there. But that's okay, isn't it? I, 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 we bribe them in different ways, lunches and uh, and uh, other things. But uh, I, honestly, we just had one the other day that. I said, now, how, how many, uh, I've had a wrestlers that have never been to church before. One of them, yet, just the other day, a couple weeks ago, said, you know, I've only, said, I think I've only been to church one time. Said, well, <laughs> and they're real nervous. <laughs> going and, you know, we don't, this is not going to be painful. <laughs> well, play. for some it might be. <laughs> yeah, so, hey, you're true, that's true. <laughs> I love talking with you too, Coach. I got a question. I got a question. You played semi-pro football for the Mustangs of Omaha, and you've got a third-degree black belt in judo. You understand that wrestling is a great grounding or foundation for mixed martial arts. I've got Hollywood Johnny Case, a famed UFC star in the studio, was supposed to fight on New Year's Eve in Tokyo again. Uh, it seems to be, well, let's get Johnny Case in here. Main event, New Year's Eve. And he understands because he, he was a state high school wrestler here in the great state of Iowa. 
but he understands that a great foundation is many things, not just one thing, right? Is that is this still true for you? Yes, you know, I, I think I've, I've drawn a lot from that, I, you know, that we use in our dojo. We actually call it a dojo. And get this, get this, Scott, on campus, we are listed as the dojo. I love it. That, that was a big thing for us, <laughs> you know, on the signs in, in, around campus, you know, points an arrow to the dojo. So everybody knows it <laughs> as the dojo. And, of course, we try to get people in there. As well. You know, we have a big pancake feed for faculty and staff that we do in the dojo and all kinds of stuff like that. But, yes, I think, you know, I've used a lot of that. You know, our dojo, you know, the dojo in Japan is more than just a training area. You know, it's a place of enlightenment. So, yeah, that's what we're it's kind of their second home, and we try to use it as a in, as a place of enlightenment. So, John, Johnny, you you go to Japan quite frequently, obviously under contract uh, yep. to, to fight there. Um, is that the religious experience you've referred to in the past about the dojo and the reverence paid to fighters and wrestlers? Yeah, I mean, I think just the whole culture is the way that they view um, you know martial arts and and fighters is you know a lot of uh i think most japanese kids have to um <clears throat> have to learn martial arts when they're young so mm-hmm. they understand how incredibly hard you know it is to to compete one-on-one so they have that's how they have a lot of respect for fighters for wrestlers and um yeah, yeah. And, and there really, are restaurants over there restaurants if you walk in with your group they will literally cut your tie off <laughs> if you're wearing a tie and staple it to the ceiling and that uh, treatment is only reserved for wrestlers and uh, fighters. Yeah, they're they're awesome. Those are the best fans in the world, <laughs> with, without a doubt. You know, they come come out for hours and always have a gift for you. And yeah, it's, it's Mike. That would be perfect for you because you're you've been one of those coaches that always wears a tie. You, well, get, a free, you get a free meal you know, out of it. I found out early, uh, <laughs> Scott, that. Uh, I've got to package it better. You know, I've got to cover up the flaws. So <laughs> it's all in the packaging, right, Scott? That's it's all right. in the package. In my case, I've been overwrapped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can make up for the pretty bow. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking with Coach Mike Denny in studio, of course, Hollywood Johnny Case. Uh, his fight has been canceled on New Year's Eve, so he'll be here celebrating with us. Uh, there's some word that he may be attending the Iowa State versus Purdue meet in Humboldt tomorrow, uh, match time five o'clock, and uh, it's already sold out. But uh, I tell you what, it's going to be a, an outstanding event. Some people look at wrestling and wrestling events uh, in a very special way. They look to give back to that which brought them to the table. Obviously, Coach Dresser, Coach Erslander, understanding of that. Well, there was a time when you held one of the largest tournaments in the country and it was a it was a open tournament right mike oh yeah dang yeah the we now call it the kaufman brand bailey and you know first of all named after right what it's it, we this year we had the 42nd annual wow here we brought it down here it's not you know we had one time at the largest tournament in the nation we had every national champ from right. every division there and uh, the last time we hosted in 2010, we had 722 wrestlers. Wow. Uh, 16 mats going, yeah. and we did it all in one day, and it was before the sixth match. Uh, guys are getting eight and nine matches in a day and walking off the mat. Got handed their next bout card. 
right back on. <laughs> I remember we, uh, Steve Foster and I would uh, broadcast these events, and I'd say, "Oh yeah, it, we'd yeah. start at like six or seven in the morning, and then all of a sudden it's eight or nine or ten or eleven or midnight that the event was still going on." And that's wrestling to me. It's that constant giving and taking, and 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 looking at one's skill set. You've got to do your best at the first match or the last match. Doesn't matter. You know, not everybody's going to be a Chase Tegall, you know, uh, who just absolutely can knock him out of the park if he wants to, when he wants to. But he's the GLVC Wrestler of the Week, right? Yes, yes. He just uh, actually would be considered a redshirt freshman. He could get his COVID year last year back. But out of the two, uh, actually, the Siegel brothers, the Tyler and Chase, are my 32nd set of brothers. I've had uh, five <laughs> sets of three brothers. <laughs> One set of twins, uh, so uh, <laughs> I've had 13 wrestlers where I coached their dad. That's crazy. I love and that. I'm recruiting one right now that I coached his grandpa, I coached his dad, and his grandpa <laughs> in 1969. It happens. <laughs> How's that? That's How's pretty impressive. That? That's pretty impressive. I love lineage. I like the history of our sport. Mike, you are definitely a Hall of Famer in everybody's book, by the way. Coach of the year many times, but... Uh, uh, it's just what you do and how you do it. We choose to salute you and the way you do it and the way you interact with your athletes and fans. But uh, it's our annual opportunity to salute you as we head to uh, Christmas. There's a very special opportunity for people to be able to watch you and your athletes uh, in competition, and I like the way you do it. Coach, you know we love you. Uh, congratulations on the third-degree black belt in judo. I'm waiting for the second degree. Uh, let's get back on the... Uh, the National Masters Judo Championship Tour, okay? There's no well, it's way. It's always a privilege, pleasure, and honor <laughs> to visit with you. Mike, tell, tell Bonnie I said and I, hello. And I'm not kidding on that. I'm not kidding on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, it is. So, I love uh, it. Shalom. Shalom, my son. <laughs> my son, my friend. <laughs> Could be my son. I don't know. For some reason, I don't, I only got part of my script. How about that? That's you, crazy. There, I had a, You print them out. Yeah, apparently I don't. Anyway, Mike, <laughs> God bless you. I hope you have a, a good rest of your day, and I'm looking forward to talking to you very soon and seeing you We're even sooner. To the Midwest Classic today in uh, Indianapolis. Oh. There are 45 teams wrestling tomorrow on Sundays. What facility are they doing that in? Right there on the campus in oh. their in their uh, you know their field house. Well, that's not a bad trip. No, no, no. That's an all. easy trip. Great restaurant. Uh, yeah, it's actually in two gyms, so. Well, have uh, fun. Have a great trip. Happy holidays and a very Merry Christmas to you and Bonnie, okay? And back at you. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> there we go. It's uh, Mike Denny. You know, we we if any time I can get him to respond to a text or a phone call, I'm right up here, right next to number one. I love that. All right, we're going to take a quick time out. More with Hollywood Johnny Case in the studio. Uh, doing an outstanding job. Co-hosting is never easy. Walking into a show, trying to figure out where you fit. But he's doing an outstanding job, and I'm grateful for his presence here today on the show. Kira Jones pushing the program uh, right along, by the way. I'm Scott Casper, Johnny Case as well. This program brought to you in part by our friends at Mullets, that place down around the river by the ballpark. And the food is outstanding, as you might guess. Mullets, the chow hall for wrestlers. Back after this on 1350, this is ESPN. All guests on USA Takedown appear on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. Two-time world champion Terry Brand said, We use it in our showers and in our room. 
Defense soap. It's what the pros use. Back to the show. Welcome back. Welcome back in a big way. It is USA Takedown, Coast to Coast, Border to Border, and all those ships at sea. We are live on 1350 ESPN Des Moines. How was that, Kira? Was that good? Okay. That's my Christmas present to you. <laughs> I know. It's okay. It's okay. I'm always thinking about you. All right. Uh, welcome back to the show. In studio is Hollywood Johnny Case. We await the arrival of one Travis Dvorak. And you might keep trying to call them because I know that they were out of power in, uh, in Jefferson, Iowa. Is that true? I mean, you're from Jefferson. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I think that most of the town's still out of, out of power and they had two tornadoes that rolled through there and yeah, the, did the a lot damage, of damage that was done to some farm buildings, et cetera, was spread far and wide. I mean, you go past the fields that have been thankfully already harvested, but you see pieces of metal buildings, you know, scattered for forever. So are you in communication with people there in Jefferson? I am. Yeah. A lot of, I still have a lot of friends that I graduated high school with. Um, what about family? Yeah. My mom lives there. My dad lives there. Luckily they were a little more in town, yeah. a little more protected. They obviously don't have any power, but um, as far as property damage, they were pretty lucky. Um, now, but, is, is that Alliant energy that is the power supplier out there? Alliant? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Okay. Yeah. All right. This is from me to the folks at Alliant. Okay. <laughs> I know it's a big job. I do. Sure. And safety first. Don't hurry along. But let's get let's get these folks in power back on, okay? Yeah, yeah. I think a, a hot shower sounds like the the least the least you could do for today, right? Well, let's go to Travis Dvorak, general manager and uh entrepreneur, if you will, of everything that happens at Wild Rose Casino Jefferson. He joins us now. Travis, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Well I like that entrepreneur thing. I, I do too. I'd love to keep all the money. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not what it means. Uh, being an entrepreneur means you're assuming all the responsibility. Oh, yeah, I got that. Yeah, <laughs> you've got that in spades. In studio is Hollywood Johnny Case. Uh, of oh, course, cool. he's had uh, a couple different outings in boxing, both in the green room there in Jefferson. And uh, it's you and I have really become affectionate in our view of boxing and the crossover there between kickboxing and boxing, right? Yeah, you know, watching Johnny Cage fight MMA is really fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Boxing's kind of cool, but I've seen the two, and the problem is if you blink, you miss it because he knocks them out so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I think both of his contests have been first-rounders, right? Uh, the, sec the first fight was uh, early second-rounder. Early second-rounder. Yeah. He was a gamer. Yeah, but, but what's the name of the guy that was the last uh, competitor? Uh, Joe Boris. Boris, yeah, yeah. Boris. Yeah, Boris uh, instantly became a friend of mine on the Facebook. I don't know if you're aware of that. Yeah, well, and he was no slouch. He was a Golden Glove out of Indiana. I mean, that was competition, and I mean, it didn't look like it from Johnny's perspective, but that was a that was a good fighter. And... But what does that tell you about Johnny Case? Not you, Johnny. I'm not asking <laughs> you. I'm asking Travis. Uh, if I were you, Scott, I'd call him Sir. Sir, yes, <laughs> Mister Case. Um, well, I'll tell you. Here's my opinion. I think I said this over the radio before with you, and I'm going to also. I've had this conversation with Monty Cox. My personal opinion, from a spectator and a, and a fan of the sport, if Johnny Case, he's such a great athlete. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people are, they're just that next step up an athlete. That's he's right. that he's that next step up an athlete. And he's such a great athlete that if he wanted to transition from MMA to boxing, he could. And th I think that's 
what Monty Cox, what you are endorsing, obviously, by holding the events at your your properties, but I think that's what Monty Cox is doing, is, is our uh, trip back from uh, mixed martial arts to boxing and the purity that is or was expected back then. Why I left was because it was impure, right? Uh, but I went right to MMA and didn't miss a beat. But now I'm seeing boxing. I'm, I'm beginning to watch boxing like Thomas, the hitman Hearns yeah. versus Marvin uh, Hagler, Hagler or Duran. I yeah. watched Duran yep. in that fight last night. Duran obviously was missing about seven inches of reach. <laughs> I don't know who said, yeah, Duran at 33, <laughs> you could take this fight, but, uh, it was obviously a bad choice. It did make it into the second round, but down goes Duran down goes Duran. These yeah. are the kind of things that, that Gary Kirk and company can really get behind. And it's neat having a local guy, uh, be your, be your, be your fighter du jour. Now I understand you, you, is it true? You may have a fight here in Des Moines with Monty Cox and, uh, and his promotion? Yeah, um, I should have had two fights by now, two boxing matches lined up, but um, I, I canceled those because I thought I would be fighting for a world title on New Year's Eve. Um, and, you know, boxing is kind of the thing that's been keeping my career going. I, right. mean, I can't really do MMA anywhere, uh, you know, in due, the U.S. Due to your, due to your uh, contractual yeah, obligation. My, my, my contract. So, yeah, I'm really lucky that, you know, I have money here and I'm able to get some, some ring time in and... Um, I think the next one he said will be February. Mid, I want to say ninth. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Ninth or or something like that. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm ready to go. That'll be here in Des Moines. So I won't have to travel. I'll be able to sleep in my own bed, and I'm looking forward to the next worthy opponent. You are, and and I know Travis, you are as well. You're very proud of uh, uh, your family. I think you have a son in the. Is it the Marine Corps? Army. Ar- oh, I'm sorry. You were a Marine. Whew. Well, we got that cleared up right away, didn't we? <laughs> I love the Marines. I do. Oorah. But, Oorah. Uh, but I've got to ask you real quick. Jefferson has been hit on a couple different occasions by bad weather. Hotel was closed last time for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, what uh, What did you experience with those 80 to 90 mile an hour straight line winds that came through? Um, you know, there's good and bad. I, I always want to say I'm fortunate, but sometimes when you're fortunate, someone else is not, and I want to be respectful of that, of sure. course. Um, we did have straight wide, straight winds, straight line winds, excuse me. Uh, was it Wednesday night, Tuesday night, or Wednesday night? Um, but we also had tornadoes, some touch ground. And if you go to uh, the Jefferson Herald's Facebook page, or even KCCI's got some stuff, you'll see that uh, the town of Jefferson was was fortunate, the town itself, but there was a, a couple miles west of town and a few miles south of town where there's been some farmhouses that were were not so fortunate. Luckily, to the best of my knowledge, everybody was safe and secure. Nobody was injured, so everybody's fortunate in that respect, and that's probably first and foremost. Thank God. But some farms, I do know of at least one house that was that was taken down. I do know some farms where there was barns and outbuildings taken down as well. So, um, Jefferson itself, we were out of power for about 30 hours. Wow. Um, I think there's still a couple small communities here, especially those with the uh, Rural Electric Company with uh, Midland. They may be out of power for another day or two. So there's still some unfortunate things going here. Um, part of me says we're lucky, but we weren't completely unscathed either. And I, I mean, our heart, it goes out to those who were affected, of course, and those who are still dealing with the uh, power outages. 
So let me ask you this. The casino is open for operation? Yes. Uh, we were. We did have generators going, so we were uh, a warming building for people to come in and get warm. Uh, a couple of places in town were able to do with the generator, so we, we did our community service. and But we are up and running completely because the town has been restored. Thank God, you know, thankfully, Alliance, those guys are working 24-7 trying to get us up and running, the whole community, and they're still out there trying to get the other communities up and running. So... But we are up and running, including the hotel, so if there are people near you that need to come in and get something warm to eat or just get some warmth in general or a warm bed, we're here. We're talking with Travis Dvorak. He's the GM of the Jefferson location of Wild Rose Casino and Resort, the hotel, by the way. Uh, outstanding stay. Uh, I've, I've never done this with you before, but I want to give you an opportunity to uh, wax poetic, brag on your casino host. The first one, I'll start you off, Hanslick. Steve. <laughs> Steve Hans, like him and I are old friends. Uh, I used to work for him at one time. He's a 40-year veteran. He used to work at uh, the resorts in uh, Atlantic City. He used to work in Vegas at old Tropicana, a few other places. Um, I met him in Osceola probably 15, 20 years ago. And he's uh, his last two raw before he retires, and he's up here. And what's really interesting, he's an athlete. He used to, uh, used to pitch for the New York Yankees, and before that, he was a quarterback for the Washington Huskies, so he's always got a good uh, sports story or mega story when you talk to him. But isn't that part of it? Being a good host is being able to relate to, uh, you know, the the folks that you're you're hosting, the folks you're taking care of. But he has such an affable personality, one that it's easy to like. Yeah, you know, Scott, uh, we're in the customer service business. We're here to have fun. People That's come right. out here to enjoy themselves, have fun. It's all about the experience. It's all about the service. So all of our employees, from the security guard at turnstiles to one of our three hosts. And, of course, one of our hosts came from radio, so we know how good those people are. Is that Mark? Uh, you know, you can't compete with the radio guys. They're, they're perfect, you know. And then um, <laughs> to the dealers, to the bartenders, slot tents, everybody, the whole experience has to be great customer service. And here in Jefferson and, and Mr. Case, I call him Mr. Case because I, I got replays of his of his box. So I call him Mr. Case, and uh, so Mr. Case can tell you. You know, Jefferson is really the epitome of Iowa, yeah. and our employees exemplify that. That's one thing we hear on the road a lot of you know people that have visited Iowa, and there's a big difference between let's say you're in California, where apparently uh, Speaker Pelosi has just recognized the fact that there are some crime issues in California. You don't say. Yeah, it's true. It's true. She doesn't know how it's happening or why, but by goodness, she is at least recognizing, and that's great. But I, I'm 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 of that mind. And Kira, I'm going to ask you to open up your mic because uh, I don't know. Are you from no. Iowa uh, generally, or is your history Maybe. Iowa? We've talked about this. Well, let's talk about it again. I'm from I'm from Missouri. Yeah. I'm from I grew up in like rural Missouri. Okay. And did did you agree with the idea that there is something called Iowa Nice? Uh yes. My best friend uh from college has lived in Iowa her whole life. Um and the first time I visited her was for Capital City Pride in like 2016, 2015. Um and I couldn't believe how nice everybody was. And that's where everybody's Everyone really proud, so polite. Of, proud of Des Moines, right? Yeah. Okay. And so you obviously are espousing to that. Do you have any of the t-shirts from Reagan that say, you know, Iowa, Iowa nice? Uh, no. We, you know what we need to do, Travis Dvorak? We need to have t-shirts. <laughs> we need to Here have, t- we have t-shirts from Wild Rose 
And on the backside, uh, serving up, heaping platefuls of Iowa nice. <laughs> you know, for a while, we used to be small-town, friendly, big-city right, fun. Right, We had that oh. moniker for a while. That's cute. Which I like. That's a good one. Yep. I don't know. Was that a Tom Timmons? <laughs> that was uh, from back when Amy Rubel was around, or Amy Amy Rubel was around. Sure. That was her idea, and so we, we ran that for probably five, ten years, and we've just recently done a revamping. Our new catchphrase is "You'd rather be here." Yeah, um, we're just you, know, you got to update the you got to update yourself once in a while. I think that's why I'm no longer doing the voice work for um, Wild Rose Casinos because I always had trouble with the tag. You'd rather be here. <laughs> <laughs> I could, oh, I could, there you I could, go. I could never get it. And, and Lebel would say, John Lebel, the, the ad agency, would say, uh, could we do that again? It's, it's, we'd rather be here. <laughs> uh, and I, here? Here, here, here in Jefferson. I remember doing the movie, right, so it's here. an over the top. I remember doing a voice work of the movie um, uh, Foxcatcher, okay, and Bennett Miller is directing me, and I'm in a studio in New York, uh, Goldfinch Studios, and he's saying, after eight hours, the same dialogue over and over and over again. I know I'm getting it right, except for the word here. Have you seen, uh, oh shoot, what's that movie about the room? Uh, Disaster Artist. Have you seen that movie? I don't know that I've oh, seen yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. There's a scene where they're filming. Um, have you seen The Room? It's yeah. like a movie so bad it's good. Well, that pretty much describes all of my films, all 13 of them. All right. Well, there's this scene where Tommy Wiseau is on the roof of a building. Yeah. And he's talking about, like, how he's been accused of hurting his wife. And Aww. he's like, I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. But he keeps forgetting the line when they're filming the movie. <laughs> yeah. So there's a scene where they're just going over it again and again. And he finally gets it. And it's like midnight. And everybody erupts in applause. The whole crew is so excited. And that's what I'm imagining. You in the vocal booth and everyone's just like, it, it was the booth. It. There was a tunnel. It was a tunnel. And at the very end of the tunnel is a screen. And I said to Bennett Miller, like me, I'm, I should be directing Bennett Miller. Remember him from Moneyball. And I said to Ben, I said, could you please just roll the footage of the ABC Olympic coverage of the 84 Olympic Games? And it's my friend, friend Russ Hellickson. And Russ is doing the voice work for the 84 games and i watch him on screen and he turns away when he says the word here i said i got it okay so i said roll roll the uh, recording so he rolls it and i said and there's mark schultz along with his brother dave and mark of course i'm sure would like to recreate that gold me- uh that gold medal moment here and at that point bennett says that's it they put me on a helicopter flew me out to lock haven or no on long island i should say to hofstra and I delivered one of the most moving speeches in my entire career. I mean, it was all because of Bennett Miller focusing on one word here. And that's where we are right here, right here on 1350 right. ESPN Des Moines, right here. here. <laughs> <laughs> Travis, what do you got planned for uh, new year's Eve? David Anthony, he's a uh, magician. magician. Um, doors open at seven show starts at eight prices on our tickets are 25 bucks. We've had him before. Our tickets disappearing. He's also a comedian. Our, our tickets. We've got a few left, but we're we're getting close to selling out. We got a few left. So. Okay. But yeah, they are selling out here. I expect it sold out between now and New Year's. And uh, by the way, tickets available at the uh, gift shop. Uh, get online. Look for it at wildroseresorts.com. Go to the drop down under locations. Choose Jefferson. And if you are closer to Emmitsburg or Clinton, we invite you to choose those locations as well. Top entertainment. Great promotions, the gaming opportunities, 
are just like Vegas only. I think even they have better payouts. I really do. And Absolutely. I've been, I was hot, so hot in Clinton on a table, clear at the back corner. It was a blackjack table and it was storming outside. So, I mean, it was coming down hard and it was so hard that the rain started coming through the ceiling onto my table and I was up like 750 bucks. And I swear to God, that's one way to cool down a player, right? <laughs> Is to, to tear a hole in your roof and let you flood out that table. But no, that's, it actually happened, but that was uh, uh, surely not the intention. Wild Rose Casino, our guest has been Travis Dvorak. Travis, we appreciate your uh, support always of the sport of wrestling and our desire to present the sport uh, to not just Iowans, but across the country. People do talk about you guys all the time when we're on the road, and this weekend will be no different as we visit Kevin Dresser and Tony Ersland in uh, Humboldt, Iowa, and this will be a classic Big, Big Ten, uh, Big Twelve classic uh, in Humble tomorrow afternoon, five o'clock. Thanks for taking the time to join us today. Uh, best to Gladys as we look ahead toward twenty twenty two, and uh, all the new entertainment opportunities that are now starting to become more available. Thank you for being there for us, and thank you for being there for Iowa. Did we lose him? Oh, I'm here. Oh, there you are. You just wanted me to continue on with the plot. <laughs> no, you, you talk well. You know, Scott, you're a great ambassador to the sport. So well, I just you. sit back and just listen. God bless you, buddy. We appreciate that. Best to your staff, including Steve. We'll look forward to seeing you soon, okay? All right. Thank you, sir. There we go. Travis Dvorak, one of the best people in my life. And, yeah, he's a former Marine, so don't screw with him, okay? <laughs> yes, sir. Take your take your $1,000 winning and go to an, another table. <laughs> You're going to whine about it. All right. Tell you what, we're going to continue. Hour number two is coming up next. We're going to do an in-focus uh, segment on Johnny Case with Johnny Case in studio, the Hollywood Johnny Case. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about what it means to drop a major fight not just because of the payday, but for the work that you put into getting ready for that event. We'll talk with Cole Zempel. He is the uh, uh, the founder of Headlocks and Lateral Drops podcast, doing quite well. We'll also be joining uh, Caleb Nemers on the live line and Trent Paulson, uh, and I should say Trent's replacement, the head coach of the Cavs of, of UVA, and that, of course, is Steve Garland. So stand by. We'll be back after the short timeout. Top of the hour is next. You're listening to USA Takedown, Casper Jones and Case on your station, 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Think you heard everything? Stick around. You ain't heard nothing yet. More USA Takedown after this. Yeah, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not I'm telling you why. All right, welcome back. Hour number two of the big program. Coming to you live from Des Moines in the studios of Wild Rose Casinos. Barbarian Apparel presents this program. Nobody makes better gear than our friends at Barbarian Apparel. And uh, look for them online, BA, Barbarian Apparel, etc. But they uh, are well-known around the world. And I tell you what, they just do. Joshua and his staff do an outstanding job of meeting personal requests, personal needs with quality product. And that's, I mean, one of the hardest things for people to understand is a one-off on fight shorts is not necessarily going to make that guy a lot of money, that one-off, right? right? So they have to look at team apparel. They have to look at uh, longevity and relationships with fighters. Gyms do the same. Matter of fact, to have Johnny Case in your gym, I would imagine would be a uh, uh, kind of a, a, a promotional tool for most gyms to know that Johnny Case is working out in my gym. Yeah, uh, 
Yeah, I got a little bit of a name, a little bit a little of following, bit. and yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I add value to the room. I, you know, no what? matter what room I show up in, exactly. It just all of a sudden, there's Johnny, and and Johnny for the most part, you, uh, you know, you go to a gym, you're dropping twenty, thirty bucks or whatever it is for that uh, that training session, right? Yeah, yeah. I always, you know, I always try to help out, and you know, they're, you know, someone owns that gym, someone's got to pay to keep the lights on, and you and know, it's only insurance right. these days, and the insurance. And, yeah, so yeah, I always always try to give back when I can. Well, Johnny's in studio. Our defense soap newsmaker hotline guests this hour include Cole Zempel, Headlocks and Lateral Drops founder, the podcast, and we'll be joined by Caleb Nemers. Uh, and I'm I'm trying to remember where Caleb is living now. He was for the longest time in Boston, but uh, he wanted to talk with somebody uh, on staff at the uh, Cavs of Virginia, and we we've got the head coach Steve Garland scheduled for that uh, that interview. Take place about 10 20 or so we started the show off with tony Erslin, head coach of the purdue boilermakers as they prepare that uh, number 15 team the boy boilermakers for the number 13 team nationally of uh, iowa state and of course kevin dresser both of them went to school at humble and for them this is a way of giving back and uh, you've always been one that wants to give back while exploring the bounds of everything you can do at your age for as long as you possibly can um you're what 31 now I'm 32. Yeah, you don't look it. You don't. You don't look it. Maybe it's your haircut. I don't know. Fighting keeps you young. I, does it really? No, because <laughs> it wears me out, dude. I tell you. Even as an announcer, it just wears me out. Um, I want to go back uh, to your young career uh, in in uh, preparation for fights. It's different now than it was then, right? Yeah, I've just you know learned more and learned better ways and more efficient ways. To when prepare. you think about. Um, a a career that started as a high school wrestler you were well really it started as a, a kindergarten wrestler kindergarten age right four or five years old yeah correct yeah my very first uh wrestling coach actually was um chad beeman high school uh, for, for, real? for humble yeah he was my very first wrestling coach my peewee wrestling coach dude if you don't make this trip with me <laughs> i will be shocked because beeman would love to see it would probably call him up have you put have you put on the list but you know, you've been a professional since, I think, 2007, largely competing in the lightweight division, and now in the lightweight division of Ryzen, right? Yeah, correct. Yep. So the phone call comes from who telling you that the the travel restrictions in and out of Japan uh, are, are prohibiting you from competing on New Year's Eve? So, yeah, my, my manager, Dave Martin, um, he's, the, he's the guy that... He's in uh, Chicago? Um, he is South Dakota, South I believe. South Dakota. Yeah. Yes. Great guy, great attorney. Great, yeah, great attorney, great, great manager, great guy. Um, yeah, he's a good I guy. I think to have I've had side. him on the show before. I can't remember. It's been a number of years, but a lot of respect for him. Yeah, he's he's in the wrestling world too. So you know, um, manages you know Michael Chandler, Ryan Bader, CB Dalloway. So he's got some you know some really collegiate, amazing collegiate wrestlers um, that are now fighters as well. So yeah, he's he's around the sport a lot. Now you mentioned Bader, Dalloway, but Chandler has been a guest of mine on the stage at my NCAA Fan Festival stage show. And uh, I noticed that he had a one of those tiny uh, sport coats. But <laughs> over his heart is the word blessed. Stitch into the sport coat. Yeah. Okay. That tells you where his belief is. But also, it's, it's, it's just perfect for Michael and his whole family is that they have a strong belief in uh, something more powerful than they. That's when, and I think this is true, that's when a wrestler, a fighter really starts to, uh, you know, win with clarity, I think, 
is that it's not all about them. You must be prepared. But there has to be a higher power that allows you the opportunity to be literally the best you can be. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I would agree with that. You know, and it it really it's such an empowering feeling too, knowing that, you know, God's got your back and, you know, you just give it to him and give him all the glory and just go out there and do your best. And, and, you know, and and it really kind of takes the pressure off you in a a bit, in a lot of ways. So, you know, one thing I've noticed about you and and believe me in the co-host chair on this very show, Rampage Jackson, Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell, uh, Dana White, uh, in the early years when he was taking any and all interview requests <laughs> <laughs> and, and he just wanted people to pay attention to what he was building. And by God did they, yeah. I remember standing in Dana's office with, uh, uh, Hughes, Matt Hughes a belt over my shoulder, all 350 pounds of me <laughs> in one of the most stylish of sweat tracksuits. Okay? Yeah. Like that's <laughs> your 350 pounds. You're wearing a tracksuit, huh? But that, that world title, I bet. Made, made that tracksuit pop. Oh, you know what? It, and what's interesting is that he told me that day after, you know, when we're preparing to leave, he said, Scott, wait for us. We're going to be on prime time. Prime time was like two weeks away on spike spike TV. Yeah. And spike tried to bury it. Right. Yeah, it really did. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dana flew to New York unannounced storms down the hallway. He's pissed. And he gets to the office door. She said, you can't go in there. The hell I can't. He marches in there, slams the door, and yells at this guy. I can't remember the guy's name, president of Spike TV. But he yells at him for about an hour. Walks down the hallway, gets on a flight back to uh, Las Vegas, makes his point. And from that point on, Spike gave him some credit and some promotion. But that was the beginning and, and the rebirth, if you will, of the origin of what is now the UFC and largely mixed martial arts would you agree with that oh absolutely that was uh that was actually the very first time um i i had been introduced to uh mixed martial arts like the mainstream i actually i remember seeing pride pride fighting championship in, in japan and i remember thinking I'm like what is this it's kind of like boxing but they got little gloves and they right. can fight on the ground i didn't really know what it was and then um spike tv and and the ultimate fighter came out and um that was kind of like my first introduction of, of to mma you know and um that you know, they still talk about the the finale was Forrest Griffin and Stephen Bonner and mm-hmm. how that that fight literally lit it up, lit up the sport. Yeah, and uh, I remember, I remember watching that fight, just thinking like, oh my god, like this sport is insane. I was, I was, it almost like it almost scared me, you know. But at the same time, it was like that. It was like the the double edged sword. It's like, oh, I don't know if I want to fight, but I think I want to learn how to fight. And uh, you know, those guys that that season particularly is. Is what kicked it off it's remarkable and and there were fighters uh i'm trying to remember his name i always colored his hair red uh chris lieben lieben yeah lieben was actually in des moines and jumped backflip off of a second floor hotel into the pool <laughs> does that sound like chris yeah he's yeah. A, he's kind of a wild man that doesn't surprise me too a much. firefighter right yeah and uh, i love this guy but he i think he's had his last professional fight i truly do and there's a time when you know, even the old guard hanging up, 45 years old, 50 years old, when's enough enough? When's too old? Too old. Well, you know, you hope you got enough sense with your own self, but, you know, we're fighters and we're going to, we're going to, you know, be fighters till the day we die. So then it comes down to like your, your circle, your team, you know, and having people around you that care about you and can actually be honest with you and, you know, say, Hey, you know, how much, how, how long do you want to keep getting punched in the head for, you know? <laughs> I asked Rampage the same question in this very studio. 
actually just down the street in a different studio, but I asked him that. He says, well, the goal is to not get punched in the head. Well, that is the goal. Yeah. But we started to slow down a little bit more, and these young kids get faster and stronger, and it's just, uh, it, it comes down to, you know, fighting is only, uh, fighting is like wrestling, you know, it's really only fun when you're winning, you know. And, I've heard that. <laughs> it, it's not much fun to go out there and, <laughs> and, and, and get mauled on, so um you know i feel i hope i have the grace and you know when i know it's my time and, and i can retire with some you know with some grace and, and move on to the next chapter of my life and, and give back to the younger generation you know the, the kids that were me and aspiring to be fighters and and you know go go out and make their own destiny do you still find it enjoyable going to a high school meet um you know knowing that your buddy may be coaching or somebody's kid may be on the mat uh and and do you find it enjoyable as i do oh i love it i love it and this is uh so i have two little boys they're nine and ten and um good kids they're they're amazing they've wrestled the last two years but they've only gone to like you know two two wrestling tournaments the first year three wrestling tournaments the second year and uh, this is the first year where we're hitting it hard you know they the first weekend we wrestled they both got you know first and they had dad can we wrestle tomorrow and i was like you abs that. absolutely we could wrestle tomorrow <laughs> so we've been hitting two two wrestling tournaments every weekend since since the season started and i've been having so much fun going to those peewee tournaments and and seeing them go out there and and you know to to learn through through trial and tribulations and to get better and you know and uh humble themselves and and show up and and give it their all and that you know after after going out there and losing and and you know that's what it's all about is just seeing that that inner strength and exactly and, and dedication yeah determination and being humble because yeah. it's not easy to go out there and you know you're and, telling me and get beat on <laughs> and then to, you know to suck it up and clear your head and then go out there in 10 minutes and do it again you know mm -hmm. and so uh so yeah. i got a, i got a, a question for you these these, these guys that uh, get all full of themselves the talkers the conor mcgregor's who can literally back it up right yeah. But not all the talkers, the show voters, can back it up. Is there a little bit of, I don't know, smug satisfaction and see him get knocked out in the first round? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is. Because <laughs> that's not like, you. No, that's the one and only time I, I was ever, like, you know, talking smack. I was, you know, I was only 19. I was still, you know, I was under six professional fights. And, uh, you know, I was in a position where, you know, I was supposed to win this fight and I didn't really know how to act. So I was, you know, oh, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Well, the thing is, when you say that, you yeah. got to actually go out and do it. Right. <laughs> and I wasn't the kind of guy that was, you know, real arrogant and brash. I was just kind of like, you know, a guy that, you know, goes out there and, and gives it my all. And, you know, if it's my if it's mine to win, then I'll win. it. And if not, then, it you know, it's out of my hands and I did my best anyway. So. You know, I went out there, and because I I went out there with that that cocky, arrogant attitude, I, I ended up paying for it. Now, Ali really wasn't Muhammad Ali wasn't really arrogant as much as he was confident. Right. He also had the ability to talk, and which sold the event, which sold the fight. Whether it was seventy two Ali Frazier at the uh, Madison Square Garden or the, the you know Rwanda fight or whatever. Uh, he did. He always found a way to help the promoter by being himself and the best of himself. But largely, he was super respectful of the opponents he faced. Very much. He, and he would know how to say things that, you know, wasn't quite crossing the line. It wasn't like, you know, rude and, you know, insulting people. But it would it would definitely stir the pot a little bit. It would get them, you know, kind of out of their out of their comfort zone, out of their, you know, lose their composure a little bit. And um, he was the greatest, you know, for that reason. All right, so I'm going to change up a little bit, still talking wrestling, about five minutes left in the segment. Here we go. 
Uh, Jordan Burroughs, largely regarded as the greatest of all time. That's a goat. Yes, sir. All right. To be the goat is something you stand on that, you stand on principle, you stand on your training and your history. Uh, he has every bit uh, done everything you need to be to be the goat. Okay. Recently, for some reason, he's got some extra time on his hands and he shows a picture of himself as a full grown man being the goat, holding up a participation trophy. <laughs> He received it at a New Jersey tournament showing that he participated. He is coming out on the positive side of participation trophies are absolutely uh, something that he supports. Um, and boy, there are those out there. I think Ferrari down at uh, Oklahoma <laughs> State and others are calling him out on this saying, participation trophies like the same with a ribbon or an award whatever yeah is not necessarily a good thing for sport what's your take on this because i i can go both ways you know i can go both ways too i mean it depends on what level you're at right like you know as if it's grown men i think you know you should be well used to failing you know and, and well, you used know. to or knowing how to deal with failure knowing how to yeah. deal with yeah right so i mean but when you're a kid and you're trying to you know like the, the point for me anyway it, it with with youth athletics is to build confidence learn how to understand the game and you know it's hard to it's hard to build confidence when you go out there and you get dominated because you're wrestling tournaments so this is what i like about iowa iowa has done um what they've changed since i was wrestling in aau is they have beginner tournaments right and then they have just normal tournaments and the beginner tournaments if you were a state place winner or you're out wrestling on a national team you're you're not allowed to wrestle on those ones right it, the parents integrity is supposed to withhold is supposed to be withheld so that way you know you're not getting uh you know a, a state champion kid coming out and wrestling a kid that's never wrestled in his life and just you know and now he hates it because he got completely mopped up you know so so kind of on those lines you know participation you know like yeah good job you went out there because you know wrestling is the hardest sport in the world right you know it's it's two guys grinding head to head the moment one guy lets up the match is over you know so uh, there's definitely something that should be praised with that you know like I, which i always tell my kids you know it, it is it's so much more honorable to go out there and to give it your best and to fail than to not go out there at all and and you know i think just your effort should be should be awarded in some cases encouraged encouraged i Cur think that's yeah that is a word I could probably fit in here a little easier in, in my view because I've seen him from little kids interviewing him at whatever auditorium, okay, when they are six years old, having just competed <laughs> AAU. That's an award, being somebody's paying attention, somebody in the media is paying attention, and uh, uh, Tristan Laura or any of the kids out of Fort Dodge that happen to be wrestling in the AAU tournament will come up to me, you know, years later, yeah. in some cases a decade later or two. Uh, and they have pictures of me interviewing them as little tiny wrestlers. And now they're at you and I or wherever they're wrestling, wherever they're competing. And that's how much it meant to them at that time Man. and how much it means to them still to this day. Not just me. I'm talking about somebody paid attention enough yeah. to recognize the effort they put forward. And see, that's, that is, that's amazing. I think about the, uh, what that does to a young, a young boy. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? That kind of, uh, you know, that kind of, that kind of limelight, you know, it grows you into a, a good human being. It makes you like want to strive for greatness. It makes you want to go above and beyond, you know, and do something that's bigger than yourself. And you got 200 kids waiting in line to be interviewed cameras on you. You're asking the same three questions, trying desperately to mix it up. <laughs> make it, <laughs> and all the parents are doing is waiting, 
waiting, uh, waiting to take a picture of their kid being interviewed. I love that. And I thank all the parents out there that are encouraging their kids to find a home on the mat in the gym uh, with people who can coach that, that understand that it's not always about winning and losing. Right. It's about the journey. That's it. And that's one of the things that uh, has just absolutely amazed me about you and I endorse is the fact that you recognized it years ago. It's not always about winning and losing. Of course, that in a professional sense, that's what you want to accomplish as a win. But it is about the journey. Did you enjoy your trip? Yeah, that's yeah. that's so true. Kira Jones over here, the producer of our show. Kira, have you enjoyed the trip so far today? Yes, she says. <laughs> she's, she's getting her paycheck this week. <laughs> All right, Johnny Case in studio. Uh, was set to uh, fight on New Year's Eve. I was going to be one of those that bought that pay-per-view, but uh, uh, obviously it'll be rescheduled. He's hopeful to be boxing on a Monty Cox card coming up here in February. We hope he is as well. Heck, we hope we're involved. All right, but coming up next, Cole Zempel, a young man, is the founder of Headlocks and Lateral Drops. Uh, you can find it on Apple Podcasts. We'll be talking with him after this short time out. The program brought to you in part by, as I've stated before, here.com and Mullet's Restaurant down on 1st in downtown Des Moines. Great breakfast, great lunch, and most importantly, great people at Mullet's. Back after this on USA Takedown. Stay tuned. It's where the legends live. USA Takedown is brought to you by Barbarian Apparel and Kaldenberg's PBS Landscaping. Stay tuned. More USA Takedown after this short timeout. That works. <laughs> I like it. I was waiting for the hook. And here it is. All right, welcome back to the show. 30-plus years and counting. It is USA Takedown. Scott Casper, Cura Jones, and uh, in-studio Hollywood Johnny Case, noted UFC fighter now fighting for Ryzen out of uh, Japan, scheduled to fight on New Year's Eve, but that fight due to travel restrictions uh, and COVID uh, has been postponed. We will wait as long as it takes to see you fight one more time on Ryzen and achieve the greatness again that you so deserve. That's it. I'm next in line, so I have the only win over the former of the champion right now, the current champion. I'm the only guy to have a win over him. And you know what? He wants that back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he wants it back. Hey, I told him I owed him a rematch, so um, yeah, I'm next in line. The other guy that you know had to replace me because I couldn't take the fight, um, he was my very first fight in Ryzen, and they brought me in to lose, essentially. They brought me in on a week and a half notice. This guy was on a, you know, six seven fight win streak he was supposed to be the next big thing oh, so you put a stop to that i went in there and spoiled it i took yeah <laughs> and uh you know because of that they were like you know i think we'll keep you around how about a contract and uh you know i ended up fighting the grand prix and that's where i beat the um the form the current champion right now but um yachi he's the guy that i beat the first time he's on a three fight win streak now so it makes it makes sense you know both the guys i've beat both the guys so whoever wins Right. Whoever wins this title, I, I'm next in line. You so. are so next in line, and that's so a big next. money payday. Let's go, yeah. Are you paid in yen or dollars? Uh, crisp, cool American cash. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. Tape to your body, coming back stateside. <laughs> Unannounced. All right, let's go to our next guest on the uh, uh, the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. He is the founder and host of Headlocks and Lateral Drops podcast. You'll find it on Apple. You'll find it on Sprecher. Uh, is it pronounced Sprecher or Spotify for sure? Listen notes, et cetera, but pod news. He's well-respected and caught my eye a while ago, and I've been paying attention. It was just, uh, what, a week ago he released a, 
an interview with Taylor O'Donnell. She's been a great friend to us and our show. I love her to death. Uh, but Taylor O'Donnell Bacher is uh, uh, not the last. She was a week ago. Chase Pammy was on the hook uh, on episode 65 of the program. He joins us now, does the founder and the host, Cole Zempel. Cole, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Let's let's talk about the origin of headlocks and lateral drops. First drops. Tell, first of all, tell everybody where you are. Uh, I'm based out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Okay. And, and did you fall in love with wrestling early, or how did that work? Remember, you got Johnny Case, noted fighter and wrestler, in the studio. Yeah. Um, I grew up in Iowa, so I, I think um, I was I was kind of born to do it. Um, I was kind of the first, one of the first in my family to do it, but I was pretty addicted to it right away. And um, yeah, I mean, there were struggles along the way, but I've loved it, loved it the whole way. the The idea of struggles along the way is nothing uh, to anybody that has success in the sport of wrestling, mixed martial arts, et cetera. You know, struggles along the way are part of it. That's the hunt. It exposes the real, and I would say that's probably true. You do you do interviews in such a way where you help focus on the people like chase pammy for example in his gold rush wrestling academy i like the idea of, of what you put forward and that is allowing these guys to express themselves and what they've learned and what they have yet to learn right yeah yeah it's um you know when i first started i was like oh, i'm gonna become one of these wrestling personalities and you know talk smack with the best of them and all that stuff and uh i quickly after just a couple episodes of actually interviewing people, I kind of found out that, man, telling these people's stories is, is I don't know, more rewarding to me, just learning from them and hearing. And I think it's just valuable stuff for people to hear that, you know, there are, it, you know, no matter what level of success they hit, they, they had their struggles and they had, you know, their highs, but they've all come around and, and most of them are given back, which is, which is really cool. Now, in large part, throughout your day, you're you're a school resource officer, which means a cop on the beat. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you, you get these guys that come into school and they got you know a firearm in their backpack or whatever. When does that decision ever become unpopular? Okay, you've got a heck of a job along with all those that serve like you do. A half a heck of a job to be able to identify issues, problems, etc. with a student on campus at any school in the country, but yours out there in Fort Collins. I mean, it's a difficult job. Is it getting easier or is it getting more difficult? Uh, good question. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it, it's, um, it's always cha- challenging, you know, and uh, obviously the times we're in, things are changing, it seems, by the week or by the day or by the month, um, as far as just what guidelines we're given on what we're supposed to be doing and not supposed to be doing. But, you know, I think... I think what we do well here, at least in this community, is <clears throat> we're just really engaged with our, with a lot of the community partners that work with our youth um, specifically. And so we, like just yesterday, we had a big meeting and we just kind of talked through some of the kids that we're all dealing with um, in some fashion or some way. Uh, and and that that's proved to be very, very beneficial because they might see something that we're not seeing and vice versa. So you can say, oh, that kid is more of an issue, or, oh, there is something positive for this kid, so we can kind of push them towards that, you know, that positive thing that they've got going on in their life, whether it's sports or um, just an interaction, you know, a connection with an adult in somewhere. So that's some of the stuff that we try to do and identify. Um, there's There are kids that you definitely want to keep an eye on, right? And 
like I said, we just try to do our best to make have someone in the building, whether that's me as the SRO or whether that's a school counselor or, or a counselor outside the building, that just makes a connection with that kid because I think that's the, the biggest piece. You said SRO that actually stands for school resource officer or yeah. in some cases it stands for standing room only. i would not want to be standing room only waiting outside for you know to talk with you uh you are very very good at what you do is evidenced by your podcast how was the podcast born and uh what do you hope to achieve by it because it sounds first of all i'm i'm a hundred percent buyer in what you're delivering well i appreciate that um honestly yeah i it just kind of it was something that i you know, to be to be really uh, frank and to go back a little ways, uh, I, my hometown, small town doctor one time was like, hey, you got, he actually told me two things. He said, you got a voice, you could either be a cop because you got a strong voice to tell people to stop doing what they're doing, or <laughs> you could be like on the radio or something. You have a good radio voice. <laughs> and so I, I literally like thought about that as, you know, middle school or young high school kid. And I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe he's onto something. Um and so anyways, and then further down the road, I just, just the podcast piece was just something I, I don't know, just a scratch that I always wanted to itch, so to speak. And, and like I said, at first I thought I was going to be a, a personality, so to speak. And if that's why my, some of my usernames on social media are Mr. Headlock. Yeah, um, I like that it's one. Just, yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it's just changed for me. I, like I said, once I got sitting down and talking, you know, in the first few episodes were, were people that I know really well, or I thought I knew really well. And I sat them down and started interviewing them and asking them stuff. And I'm like, holy cow, how did I not know this stuff right. about you? You know, like, why, why didn't I know that? <laughs> and so that's been, been fun and just opened my eyes that I don't think wrestling, we have so many great humans um, yes. in our sport yes. that are, you know, just very strong-willed people that, that have overcome, you know, like I said before, just overcome some great, great things or difficult things and, and it uh, it's worth sharing. And I, like I said, I pick up something from everybody, and I try to try to bring that back to you know the kids that I coach as well, and, and even kids that I here at the school um, as a school resource officer bring some of those um, stories and 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 just the perseverance type stuff to those kids. You know, one of the things, Cole Zempel, our guest, by the way, on the Defense Hope Newsmaker Hotline here on USA Takedown, I do want to bring this up because I think it's important. Anybody can interview a Tom Brands, and sometimes it's a struggle. It's not the best interview in the world, okay? Nothing, <laughs> right. wrong, nothing wrong with that. Uh, but um, you have identified, and I look back on your history uh, of the podcast you've done, and some of my favorite interviews you've done were uh, what we call undercard guys or what some would see as undercard guys like Joe Johnston mm-hmm. at air force or Mike Marino at, or Northern Colorado. Uh, but it, it, listen, all, all eyes should not always be on the top five, because if you are only focused on the top five programs in the country, you're missing 95% of the mm-hmm. great stories that are out there. Agree or disagree? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And I, you know, I've, 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 I've actually received, um, that compliment just from, you know, random people on social media of just as far as thank you for covering someone other than D1 as well, right? right. Um, and so, and again, I just, I, I probably sound repetitive, but it's just fun to, like, to sit down with a guy that wrestled Division Two or is now a head coach of Division Two and talk about the differences and some of the benefits of being in Division Two or being in Division Three or, 
or even um, you know one an interview that I really enjoyed was the Western Wyoming guys, uh, some JUCO coaches. You know, I didn't know anything about them. Um, I knew they had some success recently, and you know, being from Northern Colorado, I was like, that's probably a good idea for me to know them. Sure. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Surprise. <laughs> and so I talked to them, and they were great. Um, you know, I got to talk to two of their coaches, and it was just a lot of fun and. And I think, like I said, there's just so many good people in wrestling that that deserve to have their story shared and, and just talk about what they're doing for others. Um, you know, I think that's a big theme is most of these people that are out coaching, they're they're not doing it for themselves. And, you know, it's not like the money's great. Um, especially they, <laughs> they they do it because they want to give back and help, help kids um, become bigger and better. We're talking with Cole Zempel. He's the founder of Headlocks and Lateral Drops Podcast. Look for him on, well, wherever you find your podcasts, uh, podcast, Apple Podcasts, uh, Sprecher, uh, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's, he's everywhere. And uh, apparently he's got the time to, to investigate all of that. Kira does most of that for me because I can't. Uh, once you reach the age of 60, the I can't in terms of uh, uh, Internet stuff is readily available and apparent. Okay. All right. Headlocks. And, who is, um, well, I, I, I want to divert just for a minute, get your opinion on this on yeah. Friday of the week prior, uh, Clarissa Chun was named the first head coach of wrestling at uh, university of Iowa for women, right? She was on mm-hmm. the show Friday. They named her on Monday. I had agreed not to ask her about the, you know, the question about university of Iowa, because the rumors, as you know, were out there. But yeah. um, that's a that's a huge step for women's wrestling. Not the first D one program. In fact, it was Presbyterian the first D one. Uh, Sacred Heart came in as a D one. But now you've got the first Power Five. How important is this hire? And is it a landmark decision by uh, NCAA? Will this push the NCAA into taking women's wrestling off of the uh, of the what do you call it, uh, emerging sports status and put it into something that must take place? I I think it has to. Um, I, you know, when I was, when they announced that they were going to hire a women's coach, I started, you know, obviously like everybody started thinking about it. And honestly, my mind kept coming back to her. I'm like, how wouldn't you, right? Like the success that her and Terry have had, um, with the women, the women's teams over the years, mm-hmm. uh, and just the progress that they, they, those two have, have pushed. And I know, I know there's lots of other people behind the scenes, you know, Sally Roberts and, exactly. and Taylor and, and some of those others, but you know, that these, they were the, the face of a lot of this stuff. And I, I always come back and I'm like, man, she was, she should have been. And, and thankfully they did, they hired her and, um, you know, to be, to be the first one out of power five, like you said, I think is just a huge piece. And I think you saw it already, right? Like just within the state of Iowa, how many D three programs opened up and said, Hey, we're going to have a women's program. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was one every week there for a little while. Um, so I, I think it's, it's nothing but, but up at this point. I mean, there, there's going to be so many opportunities for young women to, to go compete. And, and if you're a, if you're a young, young lady trying to, trying to wrestle in college or even just kind of thinking about it, there, there's going to be a ton of scholarship opportunities and a ton Huge. of spots for, for these young ladies to be in, like you said, because there's just so many schools that are jumping on board, and, and rightfully so. It's something that's long overdue, and I I foresee it just continuing to grow, and it, and it only helps it helps the whole sport. It's not mm-hmm. like it just helps women. It, it helps the whole sport, and like like they always say, we kind of 
excluded 50% of the population yeah. for, for a long time, and now oh, we have 100% of the population. We're so. just idiots. That's what we yeah. were out in the woods <laughs> right. hunting to Skype. You know, I tell you what, what we have to do is, is, is hold everybody accountable, and I think we're doing that now. And now athletic directors are the ones that are saying, hey, so if I add women's wrestling that puts 30 largely regarded as some great student athletes, student Mm -hmm. athletes, and bring them on a campus, that could mean a million-dollar swing. Think about that. To an athletic department, some programs could benefit as much or more than a million dollars by adding a women's wrestling program. Guess what? Men's is no longer in danger, and we're starting to see men's programs being added at the same time. I, for one, am so grateful that we have strong proponents of things like Lenny Zaleski at Cal Baptist. He knew that he could put another Division I program in the great state of California, and he's been very patient but methodical. Yeah. I mean, you talked to him on episode 59 of what it means to be in waiting, okay? <laughs> to, be right. a pro- to be a program in waiting. It's difficult, but the Zaleski brothers were brought along the, the, the right way, I think. Patience has is virtuous, right? It is, yeah. I, you know, again, I, you know, before I did my homework, I don't know as if I knew a whole lot about the situation or what Lenny was doing, and and then you find out how long he's been waiting, you know. Um, I think whatever he's been there for 10 years, and he's only actually been able to, to compete at Nationals, his teams, like four years, because he's, they went from NAIA up to D2 to, to now, hopefully this fall, they'll be up at D1. Okay. It sounds like everything's on board. But, um, yeah, just the patience and to have, have people like that that are committed to, like, like I said before, committed to the program, committed to kids instead of, um, kind of pushing their own ego kind of thing. You know, Lenny and I share one thing that is a great appreciation for his wife. At, yeah. the, at the University of Iowa, I was Herky, right? 83, 83. <laughs> his wife was a cheerleader. Yeah. And uh, obviously, Lenny had the upper hand. Okay. <laughs> and, and I remind him about this all the time. He goes, yeah, taste comes in a variety of packages. And obviously, she has taste. So, <laughs> in a big way, I'm. I'm not. I'm. Not, listen, I'll say it. I'll say it. Okay, but uh, listen, excellent job, folks. You want to uh, hear something that interests me? Something that I endorse? I want you to check out the Chase Pammy Gold Rush Wrestling Academy interview on headlocks and lateral drops, episode sixty-five. And by the way, uh, Cole Zempel, if you want to talk mixed martial arts and a wrestler's perspective on MMA or an MMA perspective on wrestling. I need you to have Hollywood Johnny Case on. Dude knows his stuff and communicates better than most. I love it. That would right. be an awesome. honor. You let me know if uh, you want his contact info. We'll put him in touch with you, okay? Yeah, absolutely. Would love to. Cole, give him uh, the big push on, as we send you to break. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I just always thank everyone for that does that, that do listen and um, anyone that likes to share it. Please share it because I think they're like I said. It's not for me. It's for for all the the coaches out there. You get to learn something from them and and really, I don't know. You can just take you can take a lot from these guys. So listen in, hear what they have to say, and and pick your piece of uh, your nugget from each one. I love it, Cole. Great job out of you today. We'll do it again. I promise you that. And I appreciate all the hard work you do with headlocks and lateral drops. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. I love it. I love I love talking to the younger guys. Who got their idea. What a radio show or podcast sounds like and i know Kira, you do too that's how we all start in this business and it is a business first and foremost but our heart is exposed each and every episode more after this stay tuned usa takedown 
Stay tuned. Casper will be right back with more USA Takedown. All right, welcome back to the show. In the studio, Hollywood Johnny Case, a noted MMA star from Jefferson, Iowa, now making his home in Des Moines, thank goodness. And every once in a while, I'll say, hey, you open on Friday, and you'll say, who wants to know? And <laughs> no, you say, of course. And you come down, and, and uh, you're a guest host on the show, and I love that, because part of a, res- a responsibility of a fighter or an MMA star or whoever is to keep their name out there, to be viable, to to be bankable, uh, it raises, you know, your well-known guy. These top-level guys, whether you're Franklin or Couture or whoever, insert name here, the top-level guys are generally in the news a lot. And you have been in the news quite a bit yourself. Transitioning from mixed martial arts to boxing is a big deal. And people are talking about this. Do you feel it? I do. Yeah, you know, I kind of I feel, you know, I was getting ready to fight for a world title and then, you know, the COVID thing hit and that kind of, you know, put a damper on the, on my MMA career. But, um, it's nice to, it's nice to have this boxing in my hometown. You know, and I, you know, I'm so close to achieving everything I wanted to do in the, in the sport of mixed martial arts and that's to win a world title, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm right there. Um, after that, you know, that's the top of the mountain. There's not really anything after that. So I'm thinking about really taking an honest run and, and, you know, see if I can't win a boxing world title, you know? I think that would be so cool. I really do. <laughs> Especially taking a dive on YouTube into a lot of old boxing footage. I'm really enjoying it again, and it's been a long time for me since I've been able to say that. All right, let's go to Kira Jones. Kira, uh, do we have uh, Caleb on the live line? Uh, I hope so. Okay. Caleb, are you there? Good morning. Hey. Good, How are you, Scott? Good, buddy. It's good to hear your voice. Say uh, hello to Hollywood Johnny Case. How you doing, Johnny? Good. Good morning to you, Caleb. He sounds like he's in his own home studio, and I love that. All right. We have a special guest for you to direct, and that's Steve Garland, head coach of the Cavs of Virginia. He joins us from his office on campus in Charlottesville. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Good morning. I'm, I've been better. I just did a 45-minute grind match with a guy <laughs> for our sort of end-of-the-semester practice, and I can barely walk right now. I'm literally laying in a – we have, like, this recliner in our office. I'm laying in it in the fetal position at this in, point. In the fetal position. <laughs> That's how glory feels. <laughs> right. let's, let's bring uh, uh, Caleb into the conversation. Caleb, I know that you wanted to talk to uh, Trent Paulson from from uh, Virginia, but at the same time, Trent had to bow out because of a throat condition, and uh, he elected Steve Garland. So why don't you take it, and, and I'll jump in. Johnny will jump in when we can and as we should, but go ahead with your portion of the interview. Well, Coach Garland, I appreciate you kind of hitting the curveball here and, and coming on here with us. But, um, you know, uh, kind of talking about the Pulses uh, a little bit here and 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 what you've been able to do with them. So how does a... How does a kid from from New York hook up with uh, two twin brothers from Council Bluffs, Iowa? <laughs> yeah, no, we couldn't be more different in terms of background. It's funny you say that. Well, it's a really cool story. Actually, I, I gave the keynote speech at the prayer breakfast, the FCA prayer breakfast at the NCAA tournament. I believe it was 2017. And that year I had two guys in the semis, and, and I gave the speech like right before the round. And so I literally gave the talk and then sprinted to the, to the tournament to make the round. And, those guys were in the crowd. I had no idea they were there. It's amazing how God works. They were in there and they loved what I said and they couldn't believe that I was, you know, with the backpack on in a suit and then running to go change to warm my guy up before the round. They were just kind of blown away by that. And they were blown away by the, 
content of what I was speaking about. And they were like, man, one day it'd be kind of cool to work with that guy, you know? And, and sure enough, it's crazy. As soon as the season was over, I lost both my assistant coaches. Uh, Mark Ellis went into full-time ministry and, and Jordan lean went up with Keith Gavin, my other assistant coach, they went up to pit. Yep. And so I was, I you almost never have two spots available in one class. And so they both opened up. Travis was my first call. And as I started going into my pitch, he goes, coach, coach, let me just stop you right there. He goes, I heard you, man. I was there. He goes, I was at the talk. He goes, you'll never believe it. I turned to my wife and said, or turned to my brother and said, I would love to, to work for that guy one day. And sure enough, now you're offering me a job. So it's kind of amazing how that all went down. It was pretty quick within a month that we were able to get both of them here. Right, coach. I mean, hey, wife, brother, same thing with those two, right? You know, with <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Travis. Good, good combination yeah. of those guys. But yeah. um, hey, look, I've I've heard you speak a lot, and um, look, I mean, every time I hear you, um, it, it's like I want to run through a wall, and, and I'm pretty sure that's kind of what what got Trent and Travis hooked on with you too. But you talk a lot about you know impact motivated versus outcome motivated. I've heard you talk a lot about yeah. about that. Is that something from you know, your time with Rob Cole that you picked up or, uh, or, or, or talk about that if you don't mind. No, sure. Thanks. That's a great question. No, I, you know, what's crazy is I actually, I learned it through doing the wrong thing. When I first got the head coaching job and, and Casper can probably back you up, back me up on this. I was obsessed with winning. I was obsessed with results. I was obsessed with glory and, and, and we got to build this thing. We got to do this and we got to do that. And I left a little bit of a wake of destruction in that path, you know, and I'm not kidding you. I, w- I was at a, a breakfast with a bunch of coaches that are a lot more accomplished than me, a lot wiser than me. And one of them looked at me, his name is Richie McKay. He's now the head coach at Liberty, but he was the associate coach at UVA at the time. And they were ranked like fourth in the country at the time. And he looked at me and he said, hey, Steve, and he stopped me right in my tracks. You know how you have somebody close to you that can actually tell you the truth, even though it hurts? It's a very small yep. circle of those in your life. But I, he was one of those guys that I would actually not snap at and listen to. And he said, you need to stop focusing so much on the outcome and you need to start thinking about your impact. And, it, and I said, and I got really quiet. It was one of those things where I cut right to the heart. You know, I just got really quiet. He just stared me down. He goes, and I mean it. And I like, just like, yes, sir. You know, and, and from there, <laughs> was slowly but surely, I started to figure out what that meant. And slowly but surely, as I changed from the inside out, then, then you know, the outcomes on the team started to change in terms of my relationship with the guys and relationship with the staff. And, and then, uh, you know, in terms of what, what I really, I really believe, like, the relationships now we have with the athletes currently in our, in, on, on the team. So it's definitely provided a lot of fruit, but that's where it started. I didn't, I didn't learn that from the old school guys. I actually learned that from a basketball coach. I, uh, wow. I'm, I'm going to insert just for a second. One of the things I noticed, and by the way, I love the FCA hiring Ellis was a, a, a incredible, uh, opportunity yeah. for those that, that listened to his testimony, but, uh, what a strong asset for the FCA for sure. As is Tim Johnson. We all know that, but, um, there is something to what Terry Brands once said on this very program. Once you realize you are no longer uh, as strong as you think you are, that there is something stronger that can help you along the way. Once you relieve yourself of that burden, you become that much more effective as a coach. Agree or disagree? Yeah, he said that? Yeah, I know. I'm impressed. I'm really (laughs) impressed. No, that's awesome. That's That's a long sentence. Huge, especially coming from a guy like him who's as tough as he is. That's awesome. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And how about you, Caleb? Because I know you've admired so many different coaches, uh, uh, Jason Christensen, for example, at, at Southeast Polk, et cetera. But um, what are your thoughts on what Terry said? I mean, it, yeah, a lot of what, what Steve just – or what Coach Garland just said mm-hmm. right there where, um, you know, I mean, honestly, 
uh, I think Terry doesn't get enough credit, you know, with, with some of his profound statements or some people think he takes them from Gable a lot, but, um, yeah, that's crazy. That That's really impactful. Well, we all take them but, from um, somewhere and I, I, I don't want to miss something that, that, uh, coach just said, coach Garland just said, and that was, uh, Rob Cole, right. And you mentioned Rob Cole as well. Rob Cole leaving Cornell when he did was kind of the writing on the wall as to how they're going to handle this type of thing. This, uh, this COVID restrictions or whatnot. Steve, what's your take on, on uh, the news for the athletes out of uh, Ithaca, New York? Oh, man, I don't really have much of a take other than, you know, um, Rob and I are still really tight, and I, I'm, I'm happy he's happy. Yeah. He's really happy where he's at, and, and I think Coach, I think the world of Coach Gray, too, though, I think he's awesome. Um, I got the, we, we wrestled at an open tournament recently, and our teams were up there together, so I got to hang out a little bit before the tournament. I just think he's really good. I think he's, um, He's really uh, phenomenally phenomenal technically. I think I love his philosophy. We kind of traded back and forth. You know, some of the changes he'll make with the program culturally, and some of the things he's going to do a little bit different in terms of how he runs things and sure. put his own stamp on it and stuff. And so I was impressed. I, I just think you know things work out, right? I, I think it's it's going to be. I think it's going to be good for both programs long term. We go back to Caleb Nemers. Caleb, right? I think you know. Coach Cole is is somebody that's that's got a vision, and a lot of people have a vision, but it's it's one thing to have that, and it's another thing to execute it. Mm. And yep. he'll figure that out over at Stanford. But um, you know, uh, back to you, Coach. Um, what did you learn from Rob Cole with your time there? Um, you know, I, I love you know hearing from from other coaches and and what they what they learned from uh, guys that are that are kind of a pillar of our sport. Well, listen, I'm going to say this, and, and the Paulsons even were asking me a couple times, because we've gotten really tight over the years, me and Trent Travis. They're like, man, you are so loyal to that guy. What's going on with that? And I said, mm-hmm. listen, I owe so much to him because he taught me that no job was too small. There's, when you're in the Rob Cole School of Assistant Coaching, you do everything. <laughs> I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm not kidding you. In a typical day, I'd be in there at 7.30 in the morning vacuuming out the bleachers for a 1 o'clock match. We would, he would, me and him would do it. We would strip down to our shorts. We would, we would take our dress clothes off, put the shorts on, put the backpacks on, and we had these jetpack vacuum cleaners. We'd clean the entire, <laughs> entire arena ourselves, the corners of the arena, everything. We'd clean the whole thing. Then I would go grab a guy and get him down to wait, right? Then we would, you know, oh, by the way, we've been, he had, had us marketing the whole you know, month pre- pre- preparing for that duel meet to get people there, learning those skills. Then we, you know, obviously coach the match. After the match, you had an alumni event you better be at. Then you do the alumni event. And then as soon as you get home, you're exhausted. It's six, seven, eight o'clock at night. And that dude's already blowing you up on the phone saying, see you tomorrow. Remember, we're, we're heading to Philly. We got to go see that kid. Remember, see you then. Get in the car, buddy. <laughs> you know, so like he pushed you hard. And I'm like, guys, I, I tell the puzzle all the time, like that, when, when you're in that type of a grind environment, you, you figure it out, you get better. And, and you learn all these different things that you didn't think were part of the gig when you signed up. And you learn that, that uh, you know, you, you, you learn what real work is. I think people think they work hard. And then you work with a guy like him, you're like, wow, this, this really is next level. <laughs> you right. know, the, the, and it can go too far sometimes. There were times where my wife was like, hey, you know, does, she know, does he know that you're not married to him, you're married to me, you have a life? Because <laughs> you know, there was no boundaries with Rob either, you know? <laughs> Shoot, he would call her sometimes. He'd be like, hey, English, I don't know if Stevie told you, but we got to head to Jersey this weekend. She'd be like, what? You know, just to stir the pot a little bit. So There's no uh, filter I, with Rob Cole. No, but I, but I think that as a young assistant coach, it's the best training environment because he's got you writing letters he's got you calling kids he's got and it's always accountability if you ever went to rob and said oh i didn't get it done Mm. he would stare you down and say if i had a gun to your mother's head would you have gotten it done 
And I'm like, that's a fair point. If you think about it, I'm like, yeah, probably. He's like, well, then you got to handle your life with that much urgency. Everything I give you is that, that urgent. And so I, I, for me, I loved it. In hindsight, it was tough going through it. But in hindsight, that's why I was able to, you know, hit the ground running here at UVA and frankly take a program from, you know, zero points at Nationals to top 15 at Nationals right. in four seasons because I applied that same standard of work ethic to my staff and to our program here. And, and I, you have to do that when you're that far behind the eight ball. Where do you think you would be today, Scott, if you went through life with that kind of urgency? <laughs> I, you know, the, every one of these coaches oh has encouraged God. me by their presence on the show. Steve, you, you, you obviously are one of those guys. But uh, that encouragement, that belief in what we're doing has only been a blessing for the longevity of this show. And that's one of the things that has attracted me to uh, the likes of Caleb Nemers and that he has a, a distinct interest in the people and the process. And, and yeah. Caleb, you're one of those guys across the country. You may live in Boston. You may live in Iowa. It doesn't matter. You know, you're interested in the process of what people are going through. How do they arrive? How do they set their goal? How do they arrive at their goal? Right, exactly. You know, I mean, you, you don't have, just like what we talked about earlier with Rob Cole, with Coach Cole, you, you don't have any kind of, if you don't have a vision, and then you, you have to embrace the process. You have to embrace that challenge. And, and I think Coach Garland's one of those people that does that. But, um, you know, Coach, uh, be, before we let you go, I, I, I really – I love hearing, you know, different stories of when you competed and, and, and things like that. But, um, you know, take me back, you know, to 21 years ago, to 2000 at the NCAA tournament in, in St. Louis, and, and talk about when you, when you wrestled – the number one seed in, in a Jody strip matter, um, you know, he's he's in my background right right uh, in my backyard right now here uh, as I live in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But take me oh, back wow. to that match and how that's kind of impacted you and your coaching. Yeah, that's another huge praise God in, in hindsight. I mean, that, that match really, gosh, helped. I mean, I think, I think God's used that to open up a lot of doors. I mean, it was a, a really, it was kind of a shootout. It was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And um, I, I was really good on the mat. Um, I didn't start that way. I, I was really terrible on the mat when I first got to college. And it's one of those things where I always tell my guys, there's no, there's no rule against getting better on your own. I, I would, I, every summer, all I focused on was bottom every summer. I got, I got to get off. I got to figure this out. I got to figure this out. And, and I would spend hours, literally, uh, on my face on the mat getting crushed by older guys on the team that were really good, especially with legs, and just started making some connections. You know, my coaches obviously helped me, but I just made some connections in those the dark corners and recesses of the room where no one else is around. You know, at 6 o'clock at night on a random Saturday in the middle of the summer when everybody else is home, I'm in there training, you know, and, and, uh, and, I, and I started making connections. And believe it or not, those connections came out the biggest in that match when I needed it the most because Jody was, I would argue, the best the best, if not the one of the best, if not the best guys in the country on top. Yep. And I was able to reverse him twice. And that's actually what sent it into overtime. It wasn't anything fancy I did on my feet. It was the mat wrestling and specifically countering legs and countering crab ride. And then in overtime, you know, honestly, I just shot first. It was one of those things where we were both, we both shot at the same time and I just was able to get to his leg first. And, and again, just all those scramble drills that I did in the room. Um, he's a really good scrambler as well. And I was just able to finish that shot in overtime because of all the, time I'd been in that position. I, I just, um, I just was really good in those, in those areas. I had major deficiencies in other areas, but I was good in those areas. Yeah, contrary, and, and, contrary to popular belief, you can score from the bottom. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I tell my guy and that now it's like, it's, it's hard for some of my guys to make those connections because 
The Paulsons are really good on bottom as well. I would argue the best I've ever seen. And so we're trying to get these guys to buy into that. Their setups on bottom, just like there's on their feet. I mean, you can really rack up points there. And, and so, yeah, and so that opened up a door when I won the semis. And that, that's what Rob really caught Rob Cole's eye. And that's why Rob approached me right after that tournament and how I ended up at Cornell, believe it or not. So, really? Yeah. Well, hey, Coach, paper never wrestles paper, right? You know, I mean, that, that, that's what I like to tell my, my yeah. guys all the time, you know. So, um, but what happened the next day? I, I've heard you talk about that a lot. And about two how has that kind of shaped your the rest of your coaching career? Yeah, so, you I mean, losing in the finals was, uh, well, the first thing is, is just specifically competitively, I, I, what, a, what a tough lesson it was to learn that, Everything I did right the day before, I did wrong that day. I had all day to think about it. I was, I, my coaches left me all by myself in the, in the hotel room, and I just kind of was ruminating, you know, just kind of, oh, my goodness, I'm here. You know, I'm finally here. I'm going to, you know, I got this chance to do this. And the most crazy thoughts are running through my head. What if my, you know, if I, if I lose, I get, um, my brother's going to call me a sissy. I got a twin brother, believe it or not, just like Travis and Trent. He's, he's crazy. And I'm like, he's going to make fun of me. And then my, my mom, she came all the way out here. My mom basically not hitchhiked, but borderline hitchhiked to get out there. I mean, it was planes, trains, and automobiles. We didn't have a lot of money. And my mom just battled to get there. I'm like, I'm going to break her heart. Meanwhile, that's not true. That's what starts going through your head. Then I'm like, oh, man. You know, what if I blow it? Then everything was for nothing. I mean, every negative possible thing went through my head as opposed to going, man, being so grateful to be there. I can't wait to open up on that mat on the big stage. I got nothing to lose. This is awesome. I'm so grateful to be here, Lord. I can't wait to max out and get some talent you give me. I can't wait to put on a show out there. That's what I should have been thinking, right? <laughs> and, and, then, and then deeper than that, and this is a big part of my testimony, I get off the mat and I'm sitting there Indian style in the hallway crying by myself on my little blue duffel bag. And I'm like, holy crap, this is it. I've been trading my whole life. I thought, because in my warped mind, I convinced myself once I did something and quote accomplished something, everything in my life would be okay. Everything would be okay. I'd have it all figured out by that. That's all I need to do is do something with my life. And so I'm sitting there like, and the realization was nothing had changed. Nothing changed. I'm still the same psychopath that I was 10 minutes ago. <laughs> so, I mean, as a, as a young, dumb kid, I'm like, that's a, that's a pretty heavy thing, pretty heavy thought. And so that that was a pretty low moment in my life. I would argue it's one of the emptier moments I've ever felt in my entire life after that match. Steve, with the music of uh, The Grinch, we send you to the locker room today for your next shower. It's good talking with you as always. Best of the Paulsons. Caleb, outstanding job out of you. I can't wait to see who you pick up next on the show. Thanks, brother. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Merry Christmas. Steve Garland, head coach of UVA, and, of course, Caleb Nembers, the great one himself, gracing us with his presence today. Also, what a pleasure to spend with Johnny Case in the studio today. Thank you, Johnny. I appreciate it. Hey, pleasure's all mine. Thank you. Thank you for having me on again. Well, we'll do it again soon. I promise you that. This will be the last and the final of 2021. We'll look forward to talking to you and each of you on 2022. Same channel, same station. For Kira Jones, I'm Scott Casper, wishing you and yours a very happy holiday and a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. The three words that best describe you are as follows, and I quote, Stink, stank, stunk.